Hello collaborators and guests and welcome to an episode of Visit My Cup of Tea. I am the Drama Merchant and you're welcome to grab yourself a cup and saucer, make yourself comfortable as you join me and some special guests in my tea room, where I will share with you information from a teapot entitled Awakening. Daniel Lehman's 21st century rendition of Spring Awakening, known as Awakening, takes the particulars of the original story and plays with the topics of sexual blossoming, abuse and maturity with an Aussie twist. Awakening was commissioned and produced by Monash Uni Student Theatre and first performed in the Old Council Chambers at Trades Hall in Melbourne, Australia on the 25th of August 2016. Brisbane-based production company Good Time Theatrics are currently touring the show and coming to Hotter on the Gold Coast for two shows on the 30th and 31st of July. I would like to give a trigger warning as this play deals with sensitive material that pertains to issues such as rape, abuse and suicide. Listener discretion is advised as the group exchanges views and perspectives about the play as well as the directorial choices and concepts behind the show. In the first of a two-part episode, Doug Kennedy has a chat with director Curtis Lang and producer Sophie Wicks of Good Time Theatrics on their own personal experience with what it was like tackling such a raw script and why it's important for modern audiences, especially in today's social uncertainty for younger generations. Let's have a listen. Well, Curtis, first of all, can you tell me about the company? It's the yeah. Good Time theatre. Good time theatrics. Theatrics. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about the background, when it started, how many productions you've done. Yeah, well, it's, um, it was actually funny, um, Drew, who, who we'll chat to a little bit later, um, and I, about 2017, started up doing um, kind of comedy together. We were doing sketch comedy and that sort of thing, um, and, and we still continue to do that today in a separate avenue. We're called Hot Bread Comedy, but that's neither here nor there. But we kind of moved... In we, we, we were going in that direction with this kind of the, uh, we were called the good time boys because it was just us um, and we were moving in this direction kind of thing and we were feeling good but then as we, we started to bring on different people and do kind of things and then um, kind of the comedy was working for us but it was kind of just working for us and we wanted to kind of go in a, di a direction of doing some other things as well because we both very much have a kind of left brain, right brain kind of drama, comedy kind of thing. And we, we, we tend to switch back and forth between the two. But we were talking uh, for a while, um, also with Sophie and a couple of the other people who are involved in the show. We were talking for a while about um, we wanted to get the rights to a show, get it off the ground and kind of self-produce it for ourselves. After all of us doing different shows all over up and down Queensland and all over the place, you know, with different companies and all this sort of thing. We wanted to start up our own company and do our own show that we got the rights to and we funded and we did all, all the steps and all the processes. And I understand that the, the brief, if you like, of yeah. the company is, is directed very much towards youth. youth. Well, yeah, it's very much... audience? Yeah, it's, it's, especially with this show, um, when we, when we um, saw that uh, this new kind of version of Spring Awakening, Awakening by Daniel Lamon was uh, available to get, we were like, that sounds perfect. And it, and it kind of hits that ground of being, because, and we'll t we can talk about it later, that Spring Awakening has been so relevant for so long. Right. Um, that this kind of, and it continues to be relevant. Now, I understand today. it was written in the 1890s, yeah. first produced in 1906. Yeah. Uh, what, 
really kind of knocked me sideways when I read about it was how progressive it was. Mm. It's a story about, it's an adolescent coming of age. Yeah. But a very, very dramatic coming of age. Not a gentle romantic no. one. No. But a harsh, almost cruel at times one about coming to terms with sexuality, thus yeah. awakening. And, it's, uh, it's real. I think it's realistic. It's like it doesn't just go, oh, it's all lovely, and you come into your own, and you, yeah, it's all sunshine and rainbows, and you, you, you become, you go from being a young lady or a young man into a, into a, into a man and a woman, and a woman. Um, it's very much like no, this is a, this is a kind of turbulent time in people's lives. Yeah, young and people's, people's lives. Like young people's yeah. lives, and a lot, one that we, that we've kind of now associated with. Um, like you know, puberty and teens, and like with this kind of the stigma around them being like cranky and awful all the time. But um, it's it's because this is such a confusing and weird time that that this play just perfectly encapsulates. Now I understand that it's got themes in it that, mm. that range from rape, yeah, uh, which is horrible. Uh, it's got rape in it. It's got uh, it's got homosexuality in yep. it, or gay as we now use. Yeah. It's got um, people understanding and coming to terms yeah. with, with the nitty-gritty of sexual expression. Exactly. And that's, so tell, tell yeah. us briefly, just briefly, without any spoilers, the, the, the plot of it. Give us, a, give us a thumbnail sketch of it, the story. It examines a number of students growing up in, in provincial Germany and finding themselves, but having to find themselves without the help of adults. And that's the crux of the issue, is, it is that... They are trying to find themselves and ask questions in a world that refuses to give them answers. Right. Where they have to figure it out for themselves. And that's where all the problems in the play come from. Right. And that's the, it's just, it's, it's these, it's these children being like, what do I, who am I, what am I doing and who am I Why do I come? feel like Why this? Why do I feel like this? Now I'm like, going to bring in Sophie here who plays one of the characters. Now tell us a bit about your character that you play in it. Yeah, so my character is Moritz Stiefel who uh, is originally a male character right um and in casting myself in this role we're kind of able to examine uh what it means to grow up and the mental health struggles that plague teenagers um, now this character i believe has problems because he's failing at school yeah or she's failing at school in your case yeah failing at school also has problems with kind of understanding about how they feel and their sexuality, and yeah. is very very confused. And uh, and uh, I won't go into what happens to the character, but it's a very kind of glum ending. Yeah, it's it's not a great ending, and I think again it comes down to the pressures of the schooling system, and the constraints of uh, having family who maybe don't support you as much as you need to. Um, and these are things that kids can relate to. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, this was written in the 1890s, first performed in the 1900s, very quickly censored and bang, and one banned, performance. rather. It was Sorry. performed once, once, and then they were like, we're never doing this again, yeah, and it wasn't done again for a number the of decades. But the interesting thing about the show is that now, almost a hundred, well, over a hundred years later, it is still kind of controversial, isn't it? I mean, there's still a lot of people out there who have the attitude of kids just shouldn't do this, you know, whatever, yeah. and then everything will just happen naturally. Do, do you yeah. find that strange? It's really... In, I mean, you're, you're, by the way, you're a young person, I can yes. see that. I won't, <laughs> I won't ask you your age, but you've, you've gone through the process of growing up and everything like that. Tell us, what, what, what was it like? 
What was it like growing right, up? Right, you know, <laughs> and, 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 you know <laughs> getting to understand the world, yeah. Well, I, I, I guess I was fortunate that I had parents who explained and were open with me, but a lot of kids don't don't have that support system right. and are finding things out online, maybe through porn and aren't um, Oh, that's a big thing now, isn't it? Huge Well, that's the thing. Even I, I, I will often say I don't mind sharing this on a podcast. I, I have very supportive parents, very supportive parents, but even then, you know, sometimes communication breaks down. And I learned everything I know of, I knew about sex and everything I knew about growing up from the internet and from pornography. Right. It was very jarring to then... And look, I'll, I'm to my own horn here. It's it's remarkable. I'm so well rounded. <laughs> um, it's just I truly, truly, I shouldn't be so well put together because the it, finding that stuff and without context is so intense and so insane. And that's the thing when when you have these breakdowns in communication and when, and when you have the withholding of this information because it's awkward or it's weird and you don't and, and people have these hang ups about like at what age children should be alerted to their own bodies and to their own um, personhood. Um, when you have these breakdowns, it just leads to other areas that, without context, mm. can really can really screw you up. Also, the other thing that strikes me about porn is that I would imagine that porn doesn't give you a, an emotional context, does it? That's exactly it, it. You just see people doing graphic things. And it's all very intense and it's all very violent. And, and, and having that as your introduction to intimacy... And sexuality is why it's such a big thing. But then you have this, you have this duology of the, of, these, of, this, of the kind of conservative mindset of being like, no, I don't want to talk to children about it because they shouldn't know about it. But then also, I hate the thing that they are going to to find out about it. Right. Like, so it's like you can't, have, you can't hate both things. You've got to choose the lesser of, those, of, of what is apparently in their mind the two evils. Now, this, this whole issue, in its broadest sense, is... Very, very contemporary because, as we know, it's exploded. In, in the last 12 months, it feels like, suddenly people are coming out and saying, this happened to me, particularly in the Parliament here mm. in Australia yeah. and other places too, the Me Too movement, um, particularly because women are quite often the victims of this kind of culture. So it's yeah. kind of hugely contemporary, isn't and it? And that was one of the reasons why when we were... Because Sophie and I um, actually met in a production of the original... Of a translation of the original Spring Awakening. That's right. how we met. Uh, I directed um, Jonathan Franzen's translation of the original Vedican text uh, for the University of Queensland's Drama Society Underground Productions. Sophie played the character of Ilsa in that one. And then we've kind of continued our um, creative partnership since then. Mm. And when we found this uniquely Australian adaptation of... Oh, this is an Australian writer. Daniel yeah. Lamon, who, who is a Melbourne author and just... And downright... And Daniel, if you're listening to this, a downright lovely man. Yeah. Um, and he's taken this... And he's given it an Australian slant. That's yeah, it. The, so the first, the first. Uh, this isn't really a spoiler. It, it's more just kind of the contextual information you need to come into the show. Mm. The first half of the show takes place as is as the original does in provincial Germany, mm. and then at the end of Act One, it very hard gear shift. We're now in contemporary Australia, right. and that's that's the great thing about it. Because as 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 I was about to say, because of what's happened in the last kind of twelve months with all this Parliament thing, when we found this version of the script, we were like, this is timely. It's it's and that's the great thing about this text is that for a hundred and hundred and thirty years it has continued its timeliness and has continued its relevancy. 
Tell me, Sophie, uh, what would you think that young people would take away from this? What, what, I mean, apart from the shockingness, what, what do you think positively that young people would come away with from, from this uh, telling? Yeah, well, I think what's really interesting and important about this particular adaptation is that the playwright really pulls the rug from Vedekin's original text and examines some of those biases that have maybe informed the endings of the characters, particularly the character of Vendler. In the original text... I have to explain that. What, yeah, what, yeah, what's so, the of so Vendler's the, the, our main female protagonist, right. and she is assaulted. Right. Um, and... The, and Vedekin kind of leaves her to die. And she and gets she no support has, from She has no support, she has no agency. And what Daniel Lemon really does well is that he gives Venla that agency. Right. Which is which really resonates in this kind of post Me Too climate. Now now obviously women still have to deal with complex sexual issues, particularly yeah. from predatory males. Um, do you think that women that this would resonate the character Ven, Ven, Venda? Vendla. Vendla. Do you think that would resonate with young women who perhaps feel uncomfortable, maybe in the workforce, maybe in their social circle? Yeah. Do you think that would, uh, that would mean something to them? Absolutely. I think it's really important to watch a woman, a young woman, reclaim her power in the way that Vendla does. Yeah. And I think it's really inspiring. Right, right. And what about the attitude? You said that your parents, and I think you said that mm. your parents were quite understanding and were very supportive of you when you were going through the growing up process. But uh, do you do you find from talking to your friends and people that you know that uh, quite often parents, even in even in this day and age, are quite uh, quite uncomfortable yeah. talking about these? You know, go and ask your mother yeah. sort of thing. Actually, an interesting thing in Daniel's script, he dedicates his play with a quote from the uh, former MP George Christensen oh, yes. who said uh, I don't want to see the sexual liberation of young people yes. um, and he was saying that in reference to the safe schools oh, um, issue, which issue. Is, yeah. yeah and he he didn't want schools to be giving context, context for LGBT youths further context. He felt that, that was wrong. Yeah. yeah, yeah, this is why information and transparency is so important. Um, mm. I think kids need that information, they need that support, and if they don't have it, unfortunately, bad things happen, and I don't think that's the fault of the kids, I think it's the fault of society and the power structures that um, prevent free discussion. Yes, we, that's what we need. We need discussion. Now, you're going to bring this play to Hotter, aren't you? Uh, yeah. On the Gold Coast for, what, a limited amount of Yeah, we've only, we're, we, um, it's, part of a, it's part of a kind of uh, longer run where we're jumping around to a number of places in South East Queensland. Uh, but we're, uh, we're there from the 30th and the 31st of July. So that's two performances. Yes, yeah, two performances um, at Hotter. Uh, and yeah, and then uh, following week we're heading to Nambour right. on the Sunshine Coast, uh, and then we're ducking over to Ipswich, and then we we're doing a return show in Brisbane, yeah. and then we're going to Toowoomba, and then we're going to Noosa. Okay, well we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. With themes such as these, it is indeed bold of a theatre company to take on Widekin's work with a fresh new look on subjects we normally turn away from. So I hope it's perked your interest in trying its unique Australian flavour. 
Between recording this episode and chatting about the context, I can tell you mine is, and I'm looking forward to seeing it on the 30th of July. You can purchase tickets for its season run by visiting the Hotter website or click on the link in this podcast. Tune in tomorrow for part two when Imogen chats to Drew Buchanan and Sophie Wicks about performing in the show and I get to ask her to some questions directed to director. Remember to like or follow this podcast on Spotify and Facebook under it Isn't My Cup of Tea and keep a watch out on the Drama Merchant website for other creative projects being produced by myself. As always, remember... An adventure begins with a cup of tea.